from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up. We cannot allow these actions. If they'll not help, if these governors won't help us beat the pandemic, I'll use my power as president to get them out of the way. The Depoto from President Biden last Thursday when he announced his sweeping vaccine mandate. How are those governors who were the target of those comments responding? We'll find out when Georgia Governor Brian Kemp joins us a little later here on Washington Watch. And this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. The unvaccinated overcrowd our hospitals, are overrunning emergency rooms and intensive care units, leaving no room for someone with a heart attack or pancreatitis or cancer. We'll discuss how the federal government will force private businesses to impose President Biden's vaccine mandates. Will Congress delve into the potential unintended consequences of this sweeping mandate that could affect millions of Americans already? A hospital in upstate New York has announced it will have to temporarily stop delivering babies because of nurses who have resigned over the vaccine mandate. We'll talk with Congressman Greg Murphy, former professor of surgery and the chief of the Division of Urology at the ECU School of Medicine. Also, the reaction to this vaccine mandate was swift and it was negative. Robert Cahaley with the Trafalgar Group has the pulse on the public reaction to Joe Biden's sweeping mandate. He joins us with those numbers. And as I promised on Friday, I will give you my thoughts on the vaccine mandate and what it means and how we as Christians should respond. David Clawson, director of our Center for Biblical Worldview, will join me in studio for that conversation a little bit later here on Washington Watch. Also, President Joe Biden is making a trip to California today to campaign for recalled Governor Gavin Newsom. The election is tomorrow. Pastor Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, who has been deeply involved in the recall from the very beginning because of the governor's overreach throughout the coronavirus pandemic, will join us with an update from California. The website, TonyPerkins.com. I encourage you to download the Stand Firm app so that not only can you be alerted to when Washington Watch is on and so that you can listen to it no matter where in the world you might be, but also so you can take action when necessary. Through the app, we'll provide you the action steps, the targets of those action steps, uh, the rationale. We'll provide you everything you need to be an informed and engaged citizen. Download the Stand Firm app. Okay, the fallout continues over President Biden's sweeping plan to force as many as 100 million Americans in the workplace to take the COVID-19 vaccine or lose their jobs. Republican governors in a number of states have vowed to push back against the president. Lawsuits are being filed and health care workers are resigning. And what the president announced last Thursday night is only the tip of the iceberg. During an interview on This Week with George Stephanopoulos, the U.S. Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, was asked about mandates for 12 to 17-year-olds, and he made clear that the Biden administration will have a bit more up their sleeve. 
Well, George, I think if you look at the substance of what the president announced, there's a tremendous amount in there and, and a lot of very aggressive actions that will help us increase the number of people who are vaccinated, protect those who are sick, and ultimately get us through this pandemic. Uh, we will always be looking for more measures that we can take, George, uh, and that's as it should be. Joining me now to talk about all this and more is Congressman Dr. Greg Murphy. He is still an active practicing physician and a member in good standing of the North Carolina Institute of Medicine. He represents the 3rd Congressional District of North Carolina, and he also serves on the House Education and Labor Committee. Uh, Congressman Murphy, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony. Good afternoon. Well, let's start with um, first, I want to get your reaction as a physician to this mandate of the president? Yeah, Tony, I've been very clear since the very beginning of this that I believed in the science. Um, I read the literature, and I feel that getting vaccinated is the thing as a physician I would recommend. But I do that because I'm a physician. Um, the fact that uh, the Biden administration has felt that government needs to intercede, uh, intercede rather between a doctor and their patient is blatantly wrong. It should not happen. And my, uh, my remarks about that are they should be encouraging people to go see their doctor and discuss this with them. And, you know, the other point is it's one thing to be vaccinated. It's another thing to be immune. And uh, there are a lot of folks that have natural immunity. So instead of asking, am I vaccinated, uh, they should be asking, are you immune? And that's going to be a real problem because, uh, you know, our, the, the Biden administration is destroying our economy as it is. And now we're going to have people that, because of religious beliefs, because of other beliefs, are simply not going to take the vaccine and rather walk off the job. And that's just it's just the wrong way to approach this entire pandemic. I understand that we want to get people vaccinated. And I understand that most people in the ICUs right now are the unvaccinated. Those are facts. I will not refute those by any means. I was just in our ICU, our, our you know, our level one trauma center that has 900 beds. I walked through that just this time last week, and I understand that. But you also have to understand that people have rights. They have religious rights. And the federal government is in no place to stop on this. So uh, that's, uh, you know, that's where I am with mandates. Well, I'm, I'm actually with you uh, on that because I am not anti-vaccination. In fact, I've encouraged people who are in high-risk categories to get it. But you asked the right question. We should be asking the question, who has immunity, whether it is natural or whether it's through a vaccine. Uh, and the CDC, Dr. Fauci, in fact, Dr. Fauci was asked over the weekend about natural immunity. So, oh, well, you know, we really hadn't thought about that. Uh, it, it should be a factor. In fact, if I look at the numbers, uh, just since the president made this uh, sweeping mandate on Thursday, it appears that the number of people getting vaccinated is declining. Uh, because, you know, if you're telling somebody to do something and there's all of this political um, stuff swirling around it, people say, wait a minute, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, Tony, I saw patients this morning. I still, you know, practice a couple days a month because I love it. I love my patients. I think they appreciate it. And my first question is, uh, did you get did you get the shots? And, um, you know, here's the one uh, one. Uh, a lie that the left is producing that only one segment, only one political party or something is not getting vaccinated. Let me tell you, every demographic are people who in some for some reason or another are reluctant to get vaccinated. So I sat down and I basically said, OK, well, tell me about it. What are you 
What do you not understand? What do you feel like um, you could learn about further? I'm not going to tell you what to do, but as a physician, and that's not my job as a physician, it's not to tell people what to do, it's to educate them. Hence, the word doctor really means to teach. And so that's what I do. I teach them about this. And I would say, you know, a good uh, 75, 80% of those individuals, once we've had a candid conversation, doctor to patient, will go on to get vaccinated. Uh, my daughter is an ER nurse, works with the COVID patients, and uh, I actually have a conversation with her almost every day she comes home, just ask her, you know, what, what's it look like? What's the volume? What are you seeing? Uh, one concern I have, uh, Congressman Murphy, and, and I'm sure you share this, unintended consequences of policies that emanate from Washington, D.C. Already we're seeing this in uh, the medical field where medical personnel are resigning uh, because they're being forced to take this vaccine. vaccine. Some are concerned, younger people concerned about the impact it could have on reproduction, uh, different studies that have yet to be fully fleshed out. Um, As I mentioned, there was a, a hospital upstate New York that's temporarily had to stop Uh, delivering babies because so many nurses have resigned. Are you concerned that we might see other unintended consequences from this mandate? I'm I'm definitely concerned, Tony. And, you know, to speak to that about staff not not getting vaccinated and willing literally to lose their jobs, you know, and and I've tried to, again, educate folks, and I've I've spoken with a lot of the um, young nurses, uh, oftentimes female, in some of the units in the hospital, some in the offices, and they've addressed the concern about fertility. And I've pointed them to several studies. I've pointed them to uh, the OBGYN societies, the several different ones that they've looked at the science and they feel like the science um, really uh, refutes any of the other things about uh, fertility. And I believe it's safe for them, but there are unintended consequences. And to be honest with you, Tony, this is one of the things, you know, I haven't been in politics my entire life. It's been, I think, five and a half years now, been a surgeon my whole life. my job is to look at things somewhat in, in you know, uh, objectively, not emotionally, and understand what happens this way, but what the consequences of those actions, what's secondary, what's tertiary, what's a quaternary consequence of this action as we move forward. Unfortunately, I, I believe folks on the other side tend to make uh, decisions based upon emotion. Mm-hmm. It makes them feel good. It satisfies a craving. And then all of a sudden, the second uh, consequence occurred and the third consequence occurred. And it's like, oh, no, how do I put out the fire once I've already started it? And that's something they have to consider. You know, our institution did uh, put a deadline for mandating a vaccine um, December 1st. And I pray this uh, this surge is gone by then. And I, I, I pray there's actually some, some give and take between the institutions. We can't lose all our nurses. The number one reason we can't staff beds in the country right now is because we don't have enough nurses. And so there has to be a discussion, right. an open, honest, and fair discussion between what the needs of the country are and what the needs of the individual are. And unfortunately, this administration, uh, I'll just say this very bluntly, doesn't give a damn about what the needs of the individual. They only care about the bigger picture and their power and their control. Well, what you're talking about, Dr. Murphy, is having a conversation treating the American people like adults, which the Democratic Party has a hard time in doing because they have this paternalistic view that they know better than everybody else walking around this country. And you know what? I think people are sick and tired of that. They want to be treated like adults. Now, if there are some in this country that can't take care of themselves, and so be it, but don't treat us all that same way. Yeah, I I agree completely. It's a very, as you pointed out in a very good word, paternalistic. I know better for you than what you know about you for you yourself. 
And um, that's not the basis on which this nation was founded. It was based, based on rugged individualism. Um, we have to understand we are a country. We are 50 uh, United States. But we also, uh, more importantly, are individuals who have individual rights, desires, and beliefs. Uh, very quickly, Congressman Murphy, I know as a member of the Labor Committee, it's uh, OSHA is going to be the enforcement arm of this in the private sector. Uh, are you concerned that this is an overreach of executive power using OSHA to go into the workplace to force these private companies? Yeah, it definitely is. And even uh, even Biden and his staff, and then they said this earlier, uh, questions the constitutionality of it. For some reason, they don't believe that the Constitution is really um, noteworthy or we should really pay attention to it. There are going to be several different states, I know, where the labor commissioners or the secretary of labor are going to say, no, we're not enforcing this. Uh, North Carolina may very well be one of those also where I live. And so it's, it's, an on, it's an, a totally onerous burden uh, to place upon the labor departments, to place upon businesses. Um, and we're going to turn into, you know, one worker snitching on another worker. Is that what we, con what we want in this country? That's what happened in 1930s Germany. Um, that's not what we want in this country. Well, we're going to be watching this very, very uh, carefully. Again, not anti-vaccine. I think those in high-risk categories absolutely should talk to their physicians, and if the physician recommends it, they should get it. Uh, but there are a lot of us that have natural immunity. We should yeah. be having a conversation about that and not forcing everybody to get the government's vaccine. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, one thing, uh, Tony, I'm not for uh, I'm not there for the under 16 population. I'm just not there. The studies have not shown it yet. And, uh, you know, if they're going to come in and uh, the secretary or the uh, uh, surgeon general um, is going to start pushing that, well, he's going to hear something from the other doctors um, that are equally just as, uh, in my opinion, uh, smart about this topic as he is. Well, show me the science and I'll follow it. Dr. Greg That's Murphy, right. thanks so much for being with us. All right. God bless. Thank you, Tony. All right. Congressman uh, Greg Murphy of North Carolina. All right. Coming up next, uh, we're going to be uh, taking a look at president bullying the Republican governors. They're pushing back. We're going to talk to Governor Brian Kemp next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. When it comes to reading the Bible, sometimes it can be difficult to know where to start or to understand how to apply scripture to everyday life. There are also those passages that leave people scratching their heads, wondering what some things even mean and what they're supposed to make of it. We all know that scripture is divinely inspired and given by God, and it's useful to us as God uses it to prepare and equip us to do good work for his kingdom, to grow us and to bring us closer to him. God's word is powerful, but it shouldn't intimidate you. That's why Family Research Council offers the Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. It's a two-year plan that helps you read the Bible daily so you can stay grounded in God's truth, navigate our culture from a biblical worldview, and grow closer to God. This plan will help you to practice the discipline of reading Scripture every day so you can be transformed by God's Word. Sign up to get the daily passages and questions today by visiting frc.org slash Bible. God is the author of life and has created man in His image. Therefore, we must respect the inherent dignity of every human life from conception until natural death. That is why Family Research Council works to pass legislation that highlights this principle, including laws that protect the unborn. To keep you informed on this issue, FRC has created online maps 
that illustrate progress in each state on key pro-life laws. That way, you can know if your state legislators are working to protect unborn babies. The pro-life laws FRC tracks at the state level include those addressing late-term abortions, fetal dignity, defunding abortion businesses, and providing medical care for babies born alive after an attempted abortion. See where your state stands on pro-life abortion. Check out our pro-life maps at frc.org slash pro-life maps. Most Americans believe they have a biblical worldview, but current research shows that only 6% actually have one. This means that most of our friends and neighbors, including those who attend church, don't think about the day's moral and cultural issues through a biblical lens. Increasingly, we see the disastrous effects of a culture that has rebelled against the truth of God's Word. That is why Family Research Council has launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. This center is an exciting new ministry created to help Christians develop and live by a biblical worldview, to understand why scriptures must be authoritative, and to equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. The experts at FRC's Center for Biblical Worldview provide research and resources to help prepare believers to give a biblical answer to our culture's most pressing questions. Access the center's free resources at frc.org worldview. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right. Last week, uh, the president said for those governors that won't get in line with his vaccine mandate, he said, quote, I'll use my power as president to get them out of the way, end quote. Really? Well, a number of these Republican governors are standing up and they're vowing to take legal action in response to the president's mandate. On Friday, some of them took part in a call to organize a legal challenge, including my next guest, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, who joins us now. Governor, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me back on, Tony. Good afternoon. So the president says he's going to get you out of the way. That's interesting. How's he going to do that? i tell you what, he's talking tougher to the Republican governors and unvaccinated Americans than he did to the Taliban, which is disappointing, to say the least. Uh, but I'm not too worried about that. We're standing up for small business owners and working Georgians here. Uh, HR departments are already flooded with work that they're doing, trying to find more people in a, in a really tight workforce environment because the president's been paying people to stay home instead of get back in the workforce. And the last thing they need is another federal mandate, whether it's a vaccine or anything else. I know as a small business owner for over 35 years, I don't want the government telling me what to do every day. Now, the rule from OSHA has not yet come out for us to determine how the Department of Labor is going to enforce this mandate on roughly 100 million workers in the private sector. But to your point, Governor, I would think with what we've seen happen, the disruption of supply chain, the fact that the government is paying people to stay at home, I would think one of the unintended consequences here is some of those employees that are saying, I'm not doing this, they get fired, they go on unemployment. How does that help us? Well, that's exactly right. And they're also, you know, don't have time to do this. I mean, they, I mean, when the order came out, Tony, last week, I've talked to two different business owners today, and they're in this, you know, right in this wheelhouse of having, 
you know, around 200 employees, but they're small businesses. You know, guy that has six hardware stores, guy that has a, a flooring business with multiple locations. And he's like, we've been trying to figure this thing out all weekend. I, I spent all weekend trying to figure out what's going on here. Well, they don't even have the orders out yet. So they're just creating havoc with small business people when they're already having a tough enough time dealing with the issues during the COVID pandemic and to create really this this doubt that's out there of like how this is going to work, how am I going to implement it? And Saturday I was talking to a company, uh, Home, Home Depot, and there's other large companies here, and they're like, we have a half a million employees. Like it's going to take us forever to implement something. And we already had programs we were working to get our people vaccinated. You know, I've, I've been vaccinated. I think folks get vaccinated, but I don't think government mandates is the way to do this. And as the president said, you know, it's not about freedom. This is everything about freedom, because if you allow this to happen now, then what are they going to do next? They're going to tell you what your hours are, or, you know, when you need to give people vacation, when you don't, you know, just it, it's on and on. So I think it's unnecessary. And, you know, as soon as we can get some details on what the rules going to be, then we'll know where the legal fight's going to going to take stand. You know, I think th- this is they're going completely backwards at this. If they wanted the American people to get vaccinated, they should say you can't have the vaccine. Uh, yes. And then people would be standing in line to get it. But to your point, I think there are many of us. I'm not anti-vaccine. I've got natural immunity. I've had the virus. Uh, they're not having a conversation about that. I was just talking with Dr. Congressman Murphy about that. But there are there, there are people who are saying just what you said. If we allow them to force us to do this, what's next? Not just within the workplace, but as Americans who value our liberty and our freedom. If we surrender on this, we've already shown that we're willing to give up essential freedom. Well, unfortunately, that's what this administration has been doing, uh, dividing people instead of uniting them. And also, I think it's just distracting from other crises that we have uh, that are affecting the United States of America, like at the border, the southern border, and then also the disastrous uh, pullout of Afghanistan. And I guess they're just trying to change the narrative in the news media. But I think they've underestimated this. I think the more people really realize how much work it's going to be and how impossible it's going to be to do this, uh, they're going to become just ready to pull their hair out. And, you know, part of this was testing to to get kids back in school, which, you know, I'm, I'm fine doing that. The problem is we started sending kids back to class over a month ago. This is something they should have been doing in June or July. And, uh, you know, I think testing is one thing, but mandating the vaccine is completely a different story. I think especially for children, that's a decision that their parents need to be making, not the government. You're right. And we just played a clip from this weekend where the Surgeon General suggesting that the administration may be going in that direction of mandating it for children. I want to play a clip from the president from his speech talking about the schools. Uh, Clip number nine, please. And tonight I'm calling on all governors to require vaccination for all teachers and staff. Some already have done so. We need more to step up. Vaccination requirements in schools are nothing new. They work. So, so Governor, what's your approach when it comes to public education in Georgia? Well, we're, we're not going to mandate teachers get vaccinated in the state of Georgia or any other state employees or anybody that is getting a state service is not going to have to have a vaccine passport to get that service. 
Um, I'm with you, Tony. I think the mandates don't work. I think there's been so many mixed messages coming out of this administration that people don't trust anything they're saying. So when they're they're pushing something, it immediately raises doubt in some folks' mind. Uh, The president himself said, get vaccinated, take your mask off. Now they're mandating that you wear a mask again, or they want to do that. And they've been flip-flopping on a lot of these issues. And we're just not going to do that in the state of Georgia. We prioritized teachers early on in the process months and months ago. Many of them have been vaccinated. But I'm not going to be the one that says, you know, to a, a female, young female teacher that, that may be pregnant or in childbearing years, that you've got to get this vaccine that uh, some haven't fully been approved yet. Yeah. I'm very confident in the vaccines, but if I'm in that position or if that was my wife or my sister, I would be telling them, you need to get that advice from your doctor. Yeah, not you need to talk to your doctor about that. Right. You no, know, you're, not some politician. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, Governor, we're out of time. I want to thank you again for joining us and thank you for standing up. I know the citizens of Georgia appreciate it. Uh, I certainly do. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Tony. All right, folks, stick with us because we're going to get the reaction of the public to this mandate. It was swift and it was negative. Robert Kahaley joins us next. Don't go away. Are you looking for a go-to platform where you can get relevant commentary on the cultural issues of the day from a biblical perspective? Today, it can be hard to find this in light of media censorship of conservative and Christian voices. Here at Family Research Council, we believe that every American has a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. And we think it's important for you to have access to these stories. To get the facts and stories the left doesn't want you reading, head over to frc.org slash blog to check out our newest blog posts. We cover the issues you care about, all written by our experts in policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview. Our experts unpack the topics that other media platforms won't, like current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the increasingly radical shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family, and freedom, go to frc.org slash blog. We're seeing more and more cases of censorship and the canceling of many conservatives and Christians by big tech companies. To combat this, Family Research Council has chosen to be proactive before big tech tries to censor or cancel us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom, even if big tech tries to silence us. It's easy. You just sign up for the text alerts by texting STAND to 67742, and you'll get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and FRC will keep you looped in on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll get information on our upcoming events and programs. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for faith, family, and freedom, and keep you connected with the like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Monday afternoon. You know, even before President Biden announced his sweeping mandate of uh, COVID-19 vaccines last Thursday, uh, 
uh, his approval rating was plummeting. Of course, the the uh, the way they bungled Afghanistan. Now, some suggested they were trying to move the attention away from Afghanistan. It's like, I don't know, you got ingrown toenails, so you break your foot, uh, drop a block on it or something. I mean, this this uh, I think is going to be worse. It's it did distract somewhat from Afghanistan. But the uh, the polling shows that the American people are paying attention to this, and they don't like what they see. With me now to share his polling group's latest survey results from over uh, from over this past weekend is Robert Cahaley, senior strategist and pollster at the Trafalgar Group. Robert, welcome back to Washington Watch. Ah, nice to be on the show, and uh, happy to be here. So, Robert, uh, what? Does uh, your polling show as a president uh, is he underwater? Oh, well, this is not really an approval rating. It's more like on, on this particular issue. Uh, but on, on the particular issue with the uh, we did well, we had him very much underwater fighting with the approval rating. Uh, but but uh, we with the poll you're discussing, we came out with uh, what people think about the the mandates on private business. And we released three polls at once because it gives you a pretty good picture. First, uh, 58.6% uh, of the public doesn't think you have the authority uh, to do this to begin with. They, uh, they, don't, they don't think that he has a, a power to do that. Um, then we go to 56.1% support the governor's efforts pushing back, all these state governors pushing back on it. Uh, and, um, at, uh, you know, very much. And then we got 65% think that this is going to be um, – this is going – excuse me. The last one was, um, do you think this is going to set a precedent that could be abused in the future? And we have 55% who also think that. So we're well over 50 on all three. He doesn't have the authority to do it. They support the governor's pushing back and that this sets a, uh, a precedent that it could be a uh, bad precedent and could be abused in the future. Now, Robert, what I uh, saw when I looked through uh, kind of the the, uh, the breakdown of this survey is that clearly the Republicans uh, are opposed to what the president is doing. The Democrats seem to be uh, in favor of it. But what I found interesting is that it looks like about two-thirds of the independents are non-affiliated are breaking against the governor, the president. Yeah, that's what we've seen in all of our recent polling, is that uh, independence opinion is lining up with Republicans across the border, I mean, across the board, with everything to do with Biden. There, there is the, the Democrats are on their own, whereas you know, leading up to the last election, the independents were evenly divided. We, we, we just see them on almost every one of those numbers. The, the independents are on the same side as the Republicans, and and this is like I said, this is almost every poll we've done recently. We find the same thing. That they're, certainly they're, is. They're on the same side. That would certainly think that would make Democrats nervous going into the midterm elections. It certainly would. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of concern about that. That uh, that they're worried about where these independents are lying and. Um, and that's why there's such an effort on their part to expand the Democrat base and to just get people to monolithically vote Democrat. Uh, Robert, let me ask you this, because I'm going to tell you what surprised me when I looked at the uh, the breakdown of this uh, survey. But let me ask you, did you see anything in this that surprised you? 
you know, the, the, the percentage of people who support the governor surprised me a little bit because you've got so many states where the governors aren't doing anything. Uh, it, it, you, what you have is people that are uh, in states like uh, Virginia where you, you've got probably a majority that are on the side of the Republicans on this. They're stuck with a governor who isn't. And so we're seeing them saying, hey, I, I might be from Virginia, I might be from Pennsylvania, I might be from Michigan, but I like what the governors in the other states are doing. Mm-hmm. What really jumped out at me that I thought was interesting as you broke this down by ethnicity was the strong reaction against the president, against this mandate from the Asian community. Well, I, I think that there's, you know, a lot a lot of it um, is what what you're seeing now is there's a, there's a uh, these this type democrat that become used to oh. Robert you're break you're breaking up you're breaking up on us um, maybe we'll have that conversation uh, later what i found was interesting about that when you when he broke this survey down by ethnicity is that there was stronger resistance to this overreach from the Asian community, even stronger than the, the white community, the Caucasian. Um, very interesting. I think a lot of that's because of the, the, the hard work ethic in that community, business owners. Anyway, that's what I'd like to get uh, more insight from Robert on. Maybe next time we can uh, talk about that. All right, coming up, uh, I'm going to give you my thoughts even more so on this mandate, the vaccine. How should we approach this as uh, Christians? David Clawson, the director of our Center for Biblical Worldview, is going to join me for that conversation. And then uh, before that, I'm going to, when we come back from the break, I'm going to be joined by Pastor Jack Hibbs, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, with an update on tomorrow's recall election. Governor Gavin Newsom being recalled. That election is tomorrow. A lot of that has to do with the overreach from the coronavirus pandemic. Pastor Jack Hibbs joins us next here on Washington Watch. Stick around. More to come. What is religious freedom and why should you care about it, both domestically and internationally? By definition, religious freedom is the freedom to hold religious beliefs of one's choice and to live according to those beliefs. At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a harrowing reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to mount in many regions of the world. God calls Christians to care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To learn more about this issue and what you can do to help, go to frc.org slash IRF to check out Family Research Council's latest resources on international religious freedom. Christians are called to seek after the Lord above all things. This means we must pray unceasingly, vote our biblical values, and boldly stand for truth. 
You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission every Wednesday as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ to focus their attention on the Lord in every aspect of their lives. Pray, Vote, Stand will help equip you to stand for biblical truth in the midst of a confusing time in our culture. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. This year, let's commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. To watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts, visit PrayVoteStand.org. That's PrayVoteStand.org. Want honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world? Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch. You can listen to the show whenever it works for you. Go to TonyPerkins.com to stream episodes on demand or listen by radio through American Family and Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, or independent Christian radio stations across the country. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Mike Pompeo, Senator Marshall Blackburn, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Sissy Graham Lynch, and more. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day by tuning into Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Again, that's TonyPerkins.com. This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And let me, again, encourage you to download the Stand Firm app. That way you can uh, listen to Washington Watch no matter where you are in the world. But more importantly, you will have action steps at your fingers. When you need to act, what you need to do, who you need to contact, everything you need to be an engaged citizen, download the Stand Firm app. All right, speaking of being an engaged citizen, uh, California, when we think about mandates, government overreach, California comes to mind. In fact, uh, overreach Biden is uh, meeting up with overreach Newsom uh, today. He's campaigning for him on the eve of this historic recall election that will take place tomorrow. Joining us now by phone from California, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, senior pastor Jack Hibbs, who has been involved in the recall from the beginning. Pastor Jack, welcome back to Washington Watch. Well, Tony, thank you. We are excited. As you said, it's historic, and you can feel it. It's in the atmosphere, brother. Now, let's uh, talk for just a moment uh, before I get to your sense of what's happening on the ground there. I just want to give uh, uh, our listeners a sense of your church now in California they have a provision that's very similar to now to what Virginia has adopted, where you can do ballot collection. And so for the last three Sundays, your church, you've encouraged your people to request ballots, then bring those ballots, fill them out, and deposit them at the church. The church is then going to take those, account for them, and take those to the voter office. How many have you collected in the last three Sundays? Tony, this is going to sound bombastic, but I, uh, I, I'm happily accurate. Uh, in the last three Sundays, from 7 a.m. to 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Sundays only, three of them, we have collected 22,313 ballots. 
Now, Tony, those ballots are ballots cast by our congregation. They are hand-carried by that individual to the church, deposited it in an actual legal lockbox under video watch and guard. And today, as we speak, Tony, I'm so delighted, those ballots are now making their way to four different county uh, registrar's offices to be handed over to the authorities, meaning that we are probably conducting the most secure, accurate ballot cast that I could possibly think of here in America is actually happening as you and I speak. So there's still time, though, for those in the church that have not voted. They can actually vote tomorrow as well, right? Yeah, that's absolutely true. And what we encourage people to do, Tony, is to not mail it in, but to carry it to their polling place. Yeah. And i got to tell you, Tony, you've probably already seen the news. Up and down the state of California, voting has opened uh, as of Saturday, where people can go to the polling stations. And what they must do, Tony is that when they go in to vote or deliver their ballot, they need to uh, ask, they need to confirm with their identity, uh, this sounds crazy, but they need to confirm that they have not yet already voted. I know this sounds nuts, but, Tony, it's making the news already that people are showing up to vote in person, and they're being told that they have already voted. And so this has already launched uh, preliminary uh, inquiries, we expect, of course, investigation to get in. But people are being told that they've already cast their ballots. When they're holding their ballot in their hand, wow. which means the fraud is the fraud is well underway. Uh, Pastor Jack, one final question for you on the eve of this historic election. It's only happened one other time. This will be the second time we've had a recall of a governor in California. What's your sense on the ground there in California? Our sense on the ground is an overwhelming victory uh, for Larry Elder, uh, apart from this cheating that we're hearing about. However, Tony, uh, the Republican turnout that we're hearing about, uh, preliminary, is massive. And the Democrat turnout is extremely low right now. Very low motivation for the Democrat to get out and vote. So we are very optimistic, but please, America, please pray for us, because as Tony mentioned a moment ago, Virginia now has adopted this ballot harvesting. Whatever happens in California does not stay here, but let's pray that tomorrow is the beginning of a turn where California uh, makes a comeback. That's what we're praying for, and Tony, you know me well. We've been friends for over 20 years. Uh, we, we expect California to, to make a remarkable change, and I know that sounds crazy, but we've been plowing this field for almost 30 years, and we believe the Lord is going to honor this, this effort. Well, when it happens, I'll be there for the inauguration. Amen. Promise. Amen. All right. Pastor Jack, great to talk with you. We'll be following it very, very closely tomorrow. Thank you, Tony. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. And, you know, really at the, at the center of this, as I said at the beginning, was the overreach by the government, Gavin Newsom, on the coronavirus, the lockdowns, all of that. The churches pushed back. That's what sparked this whole thing. Now, keep that in mind when we look at what the president is doing when it comes to this overreaching mandate on 
vaccines. As I mentioned on Friday, I was going to give you my thoughts on this and how we should look at this as Christians. Joining me now to talk about this with me, David Clawson, director of the Center for Biblical Worldview here at the Family Research Council. David, welcome back to the program. Great to be with you, Tony. Okay, let's uh, let's jump right into this, where because I'm getting emails, I've gotten a number of emails from people expressing concern. Most of them have a, a, a view similar to what I've articulated here. Now, some are completely against vaccines. I appreciate that and, and respect that. I am not, um, but I'm against mandates, and 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 I and so I am totally 100% against what the president is doing here. Does he have the authority constitutionally? That's being challenged. I would say he does not, uh, but we'll find out. The courts will determine. But let's talk about does he have the biblical authority to do what he's doing? Yeah, that's an important question, Tony. And it's just so fascinating to go back and watch the president's speech. You know, this is a guy who ran on unifying the nation. In his inauguration, he must have said he wanted to unite the country four, five, six, seven times and then comes out with this divisive mandate. And so, again, it's important to to make sure we're being clear. You know, you and I are not against vaccines. I have close family members, uh, parents who've been vaccinated. But I'm I'm against vaccine mandates, and I'm against what the president has done. Why is that? Well, as Christians, we know that Romans 13 uh, says that government is a good thing. The governing authorities have been ordained by God. Uh, Why have they been ordained by God? To do good, uh, to to protect the, the populace. What the president has done, though, here in this in this mandate, it appears, is to go beyond what he's legally allowed to do. So Christians, we, we believe that authority, a rightful authority, should be followed. In this country, Tony, what's our rightful authority? It's the Constitution. Right. Uh, so when any politician does something that is illegal or unconstitutional, I don't believe as believers we are, follow, we, we are called to submit to that that might be illegal or unconstitutional. Give a little more commentary to that from the standpoint of the... Romans 13, but I would also add that in the Old Testament, I believe there's a principle there that we see where the government was able to quarantine to protect the rest of society. So I was even supportive of some of the initial actions taken. But you have to view this in its totality. As you said, the Caesar in our country is the Constitution. Uh, that is the the ruling document. I mean, we we are you know we the people govern, but we we agree the agreement by which we agree to be governed is the Constitution. So that there's no misunderstanding. It's written out. That's why there's so much debate over the Constitution. But when you look at the president's rationale for this, this is where it looks like Swiss cheese. Uh, it, it is full of holes. Here I'm going to quote from his speech, as you made reference to. The unvaccinated crowd overcrowd our hospitals or overrunning the emergency rooms and intensive care units, leaving no room for someone with a heart attack uh, or cancer. Or, uh, so if you have the vaccine, what he says is this is a pandemic. And again, quoting from a speech, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. So if you have the vaccine, you shouldn't be worried about the unvaccinated. You're not going to be affected by them. But if you look at healthcare in this country, the number one killer in our country is not COVID. It is heart disease. And what, is the, what are the leading causes of heart disease? Lifestyle choices, diet, lack of exercise, being overweight, drinking, smoking. Those are the leading factors. So what's next? If, if we're concerned about who's going through the doors of our hospital, are they going to tell us what we can eat? Uh, are they going to tell us 
you know, what type of exercise we have to be upon. Uh, so, I mean, you, you have to think not just this one incident or this one occasion or this one crisis. You have to think in terms, as you said, the Constitution and whether or not we are surrendering f- fundamental rights that could lead to the surrender of other liberties down the road. Right, and, and not just Christians, Tony. I think all Americans should look at this type of mandate. And the question is, if a president can hand down this type of mandate, what kind of mandate can a this president or a future president right. not hand out? And I, I, I don't know. A, a mandate like this that is uh, so involved in the personal health of millions and millions of Americans, uh, and a, a big issue of this is also papering over. Uh, any sort of conscience or religious liberty objections, valid conscience or religious right. liberty objections that someone may have, and what they're being told is you have to get this mandate or have to get this vaccine or submit yourself to weekly testing, and then if you test positive, you'll probably lose your job. So, again, this this brings major questions uh, about the authority of the president uh, with this mandate. Again, thinking through this, what would be next? And I think it was Ben Franklin that said, uh, you know, those who would give up liberty, uh, essential liberty for the promise of safety deserve neither. And, and I think under our system of government, once we surrender a right or a freedom, we never take it back up. And, and we would be losing this and setting the stage. Uh, and this was a point that I, I made throughout this pandemic. I, ma- I made this clear multiple times that whatever we agreed to in this pandemic, shutting our churches down or whatever, would be the starting place. Where we ended would be the starting place the next time. And so that's why we encourage churches to open back up, is that we could not allow the government to force us uh, to stay closed. Now, David, I want to transition to this issue because this is something that is, is being discussed uh, some are, even in the evangelical world, are dismissive of it. But that is the issue of a religious exemption. People who are looking at this vaccine and they're expressing a, a conscientious objection to this based upon, in this case, based upon religious conviction. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so I've talked to leaders in this city and that there does seem to be a divide even amongst Christian leaders on whether there are grounds to make appeals to conscience or religious liberty. And I think one place to begin, Tony, is Romans uh, chapter 14, verse 23, which says, Paul writes, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Uh, Martin Luther famously said, you know, it is neither right nor safe to act against conscience. So in the Christian tradition, there's long been this understanding that our conscience, which is this moral compass that's been given to us. I think it was John MacArthur said, you know, it's our built-in warning system uh, for when we do something that we, we believe is, ro- is wrong. Uh, there's been a long tradition of respecting the conscience rights of, uh, of, of Americans. Right. Uh, and it, before, not right. just America. There's been a long uh, tradition in the Christian church of protecting conscience rights for believers. And I think that that's a huge part of this conversation because it seems like a lot of these mandates are excluding, they're removing those longstanding religious liberty convictions. And I want to be really clear, Tony, there are some people who have objections based on their faith, maybe that I don't share, but I'm, I, I should right. respect 
uh, that person and their conscience. Just to be clear here, we're not saying that there's some kind of there's a passage in Scripture we can point to to say that this vaccine is wrong. To the contrary, I again, I support the vaccine for those that feel like it is in their best interest to take it. Um, But I will say this again, uh, part of my objection to surrendering to a mandate is the loss of those essential liberties that could be taken from me further down the road for something else. But for those that have a, re- a religious concern about these vaccines, there there are some elements of these vaccines that raise issues. And we're almost out of time, but I want to very hit, quickly hit this, is that we have at least two of these vaccines that are out there already that were made with fetal tissue, which is reason enough. I would I would not take these two vaccines that were made with fetal tissues. I absolutely would not take those. Uh, and I think we have a right to be morally opposed to that. That was aborted babies. And in some cases, these purchased uh, cells, these uh, body parts that were taken. But then the other two actually used fetal tissue in the testing process. Yeah, that's right. That's the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines. And the Charlotte Lozier Institute, our friends over there, have put a really helpful chart that shows uh, where fetal cells, aborted fetal cells, were used in either uh, the development and production of the vaccine or the lab testing. And, again, I think that's important. Of course, there is, again, let's be clear, there's no thus saith the Lord. There's no chapter and verse that we can point to uh, that's valid grounds for us to say the Bible says we can't get a vaccine. But the Bible does have a respect for individual conscience and for respecting one's internal sense of what's morally right and wrong. And we need to honor that today. Yeah. David, we're going to leave it there. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. As always, uh, great to uh, talk with you. I know you're going to be probably writing about this. Yes, sir. Thanks, Tony. So, folks, uh, stay tuned. There'll be more uh, on this. But I, I just want to encourage you. I mean, prayerfully consider what's best for you and your family when it comes to the vaccine. Uh, irregardless of what the government says. Now, some will be resistant just because the government said, get it, I'm not going to get it. Don't take that approach. Do pray about it. Ask the Lord what to do. Do what is in the best interest of you and your family. But we must stand for our fundamental freedom. And that's why I will resist this administration. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, When you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.